You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Well, it's great. Kids are dismissed to Redemption Kids. I see some of you guys heading out already. That's great. I want to just give a special welcome uh, to those folks joining us online again this morning as well. I know there's um, a lot of bugs going around these days, so maybe you're uh, watching from home uh, with sickness. If you are, just uh, let us know via the platform you're on. All right. Do I just need to make this a little closer? Is that better? Is that better? Okay. It's going to get quieter in here real soon. Um, well, it is, uh, it's great to gather together again this morning. I appreciate what um, we were challenged with earlier uh, from Graham. Just, you know, like we celebrate Christ's resurrection every day as believers. That's the way we should view it. It, it is always special, of course, on uh, Easter Sunday. But, but when we have that same kind of anticipation, that same kind of excitement, as we gather together as his people, he is still risen. He's still at the right hand of the Father, and he's still returning. And so there is much for us to, to anticipate as we gather again today. Uh, we've been studying uh, Romans chapter 14. And uh, really, as we began the new year, January, uh, we, we started in Romans 12. And, and, and this whole section is, a, is an application of the gospel, in light of the mercies, in light of all that we have learned in Romans chapters 1 through 11, we are to live as living sacrifices for him. Uh, it should be the desire of God's people to say, what is God's will? What is that which is good and acceptable and perfect? His will is that. And, and oh, by the way, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. That would be the case for me too, Right? It would be good, it would be acceptable, it would be perfect in my life if I would walk in his ways. It's not just God's idea. Uh, that's Satan's lie, right? We go back to that. Satan's lie is like God's way, you know, it's, it's, it's not that good. He's keeping back from us. No, it's really good. Uh, everything that he does is good. And so we've been learning a whole lot about love as we've been going through chapters 12 and 13, and, and, and as we got into chapters four, chapter 14 a couple of weeks ago, we, we started to talk about what, how do we love one another when we disagree? Like, we haven't hardly seen any of that over the last 500 years of church history, right? But, but, what, but what do we see? You know, if you're first time, I am very sarcastic. Okay, so um, lots of disagreements, lots of splits, lots of division, and, and as we're learning in chapter 14, it ought not to be that way, especially when it comes to things that are lesser things. And, 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 and I know for, for some of us in this room, more than others, to, to know that Bob and Ted, <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose, but anyway, Bob and Ted, they, they, could, they, could, ha- they could do exactly the same thing and for one, it would be sin, and for the other, it would not be sin. 
And, and sometimes that's really hard for our, our minds to understand how, how is that work and, and why is that the case? And, and shouldn't we always all do the same thing? And, the, and, and what Paul is making clear is like, no. Uh, some, sometimes uh, it's going to be different. And when it is different, rather than trying to convince the other person to do what you do, you need to love them. Now, I could have named the sermon this morning, um, stop, stop Being a Jerk, right? So stop Being an Insensitive Jerk. I could have named it that, but it didn't really seem like it would be very sensitive to do so. So we're just going to call it Love Unifies Part 2, all right? And in Part 1, he was talking about the attitudes that we have towards one another. Now, when we think about the differences and what Paul is highlighting in these first 12 verses, uh, things like whether or not you could eat meat. Now, now, for many of us here, it's like, well, what was the big deal? Like, well, I don't understand. Well, we have to remember that the Jews had food laws. They were given to them in Leviticus, and, and, and they were told, these foods you can eat, these foods you cannot eat. If you eat these foods, they are unclean. But when Jesus came, he changed all of that. And... But if I've grown up for 40, 50 years not eating bacon, it, it's really hard for me to change. It's really hard for me not to see that as sin. And so if I am someone who grew up eating bacon all the time, not a big deal for me when I came to Christ to keep eating bacon, right? But if, I'm, if I have the attitude like, what's your problem? We're in Christ, eat the bacon. If that's your attitude, or on the other side, I'm pretty sure this guy over here is going to hell because he's eating bacon. We've missed it, right? So our attitudes towards one another should not be, I'm better than you. They should be, we are all in Christ, and we need to love one another appropriately. We need to welcome one another, as he says here, instead of judging one another. And what we learned last time is the best way to determine whether or not that, that, that I should be concerned about my brother is, what, is to ask the question, does God accept them? If God accepts where they're at, why am I trying to change them? And so as we went through the, the verses 1 through 12, we, we talked about the fact that, that, that we need to understand they're both saved by the same grace. We need to understand that, that we, will all, we are all serving the same Lord and then thirdly, that we all will stand before the same judge. And as a result of that, we need to always prefer love when it comes to our differences. And that needs to be the nail as we think about these things. Not quarreling over the differences, really clear. Can I have a discussion with someone about these things, by the way? Would that be okay? Like Marvin and I, we, just, we have a con conversation about whether or not it's okay to have a cigar once a year? Like, can we have the discussion? We can have a discussion about that, right? But if we started quarreling over it, shut it down. Shut it down, right? Now, so we can discuss, we can study God's word together, but if it becomes a quarrel, we shut it down. We say, you know what? You think it's okay. I don't think it's okay, but I love you. And then we move on, right? It's not, it's not that big of a deal. So that's the attitude we should have towards one another. This week, we look at, so what does the actions look like? What's an everyday 
application of this kind of attitude towards, and predominantly, a stronger brother towards a weaker brother. Stronger, in this case, understanding that we have freedom in Christ to do quite a few things, and, and, and the weaker brother who's, who's kind of caught up in his legalism, how do I respond to him? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. But before we do, let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, I, it's just incredible, Lord, when we think about um, 2,000 years since these things have been written, and yet so applicational still, so, so relevant to what's going on in our lives today, and, and it only proves out that you are the one who wrote these things. It wasn't just a bunch of men who lived 2,000 years ago, but this word that we read today is the living word. It is the, 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 that which you have written and given to us that we might know you, that we might love you. And so God, we, we come before you in humility this morning. Lord, well, maybe already we've, we've come under conviction that we, we're in sin, that we don't have this kind of attitude that we ought to. And so God, help us. God, help us to submit to your word today. Help us to, to love well. Help us to be unified here so that when the outside world looks at the church, they're not seeing just more division, just more hatred, but they're seeing Christ's love, Christ's righteousness, Christ's peace being manifest amongst us. God, that's our desire this morning. And so, Lord, would you lead us by your spirit would you help this preacher to preach your word in a way that would be clear, in a way that would be convicting for your glory and for your honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we all need a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and slip up your hand. Uh, maybe you don't have a Bible. That's great. Keep the one they're giving to you. Uh, but we want to be able to look down at God's word. As I've just prayed, um, we're not so interested about the opinions of man. But we are interested in God's word. We're interested in what he thinks, what is his desire. And, and this book is unlike any other book. Now, we believe that it, although penned by men, it is his word to us. And so it has the authority over us. When we're having a disagreement, we have to determine, well, what's right and what's wrong? We need a standard of truth, an objective standard of truth. In this world where every man does what is right in his own eyes, we can see the fallout of that. But God's word does not change. God's word is eternal, and it is that which we submit to this morning. And so we begin in chapter 14, verse 13 of Romans. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So then, so do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and 
for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So, how are we to act when we disagree? When Christians disagree, believers are first, to res- or first resolved to prevent challenges. If, if we disagree, we should be resolved to prevent challenges. We see in verse 13 that, first of all, we're, we're to not pass judgment on each other any longer. Okay? He's just made it clear every single man, every single woman, everyone who has lived on this earth will stand before God someday. He is the judge. We are not the judges. He is the judge. All right? So stop judging one another. Now, judging and care and concern are different. Do we understand that? Sometimes they come across the same. Some people are like, well, stop judging me. Okay, well, the Bible tells us if someone's in sin, we come and we we say, hey, the judge says this is sin. You should repent. Right? But we come with gentleness, we come with love, we come with concern. Because why? Because sin destroys, sin kills. So we come along in care and concern. Now, to judge is to say, I'm better than you. That's the judging, right? See the difference? So don't come with judgmentalism, come out of concern. Now, what's really interesting, we don't get to quite see it here in the Greek or sorry, in the English, but in the Greek, this word, do not pass judgment, is the same as decide. It's the Greek word krino. So he's saying, instead of passing judgment, declaration that I'm better than you, declare this, that you will never put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Like, decree that. Judge that. That you will never do that again. And this is a decision that everyone here this morning should make. This is my decision. As, how, as, as the Lord helps me, I, I desire to never, desi- never to, to be a stumbling block, never to be a hindrance to anyone ever again. This is my desire, Lord. It's a, it's a decision you make now sitting here, not in the moment, Right? If you're trying to make the decision in the moment, you you may get carried away with your emotions. But if you decide now and declare before the Lord now, then you're set up to do that which you ought to do. Is that your desire this morning? Now, it would seem, as we look at verses 13 to 23, the predominant focus is on the one who has the freedom. The, the one who understands that I can eat bacon, it's totally okay. It's this person he's talking to. To, to cause to be a stumbling block is, is to cause a person to trip or to stumble spiritually. 
It is to, to be a hindrance to them to cause a misfortune or to cause the ruin in someone's life. Well, why would you do that? And he's saying, resolve to never do that, to never be a stumbling block. Long before the situation comes up, decide now that you won't be a stumbling block. Now he's going to explain what he's talking about. So that's the declaration, not going to cause anybody to stumble. But as he breaks it down, he, he, he says, remember this, first, truth corrects. Not you, truth corrects. We see this in verse 14. He says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Guess what? Here's the truth. A pig is a pig, right? Uh, 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 you know, uh, whether this wine was at a ceremony or not, there's nothing unclean in itself. That's just, that's just the way it is. He's, he's explaining what the truth is. And he says, I'm persuaded in what? In the Lord Jesus. Now, remember Paul's background, right? You think Paul was pretty fired up about food laws before he got saved? Um, I guarantee you, right? I guarantee you. This guy was so zealous, right? I'm sure he had never seen bacon in his entire life, right? Probably had like a 100-yard quarantine around (laughs) bacon in his life, right? But he's like, in Lord Jesus, as I understand his teaching, for example, Mark 7, 18 and 19, and Jesus, he's teaching his disciples about about what, that which is good and that which is evil. And, and he, he's, he's trying to help them understand, look, it's, what, what's evil is what comes out of your body. It's, it's your evil thoughts. It's your actions, your words. That is what makes you unclean. It's not what goes into your body. So he says this in Mark 7, 18 and 19. He said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you, do you not see that whoever, whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him? since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus, Mark was like, just so, you're, uh, just so we understand, in brackets, thus he declared all foods clean. And this was hard. This was difficult, again, for the Jewish community. And so Peter, he's still, after Christ dies and ri- rises from the dead, he's still kind of thinking that it's a wrong thing. He has the vision. Before he goes and sees Cornelius, he once again reminds him, look, Food is un- the food is clean. There is no unclean food. They have the Jerusalem Council, right? Again, it's not about the food. It's not about the food. It's not about the food. And so he's just declaring the truth. The truth is this. It's not a problem. You can eat whatever you want. So that's the truth. But, key word, it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. You understand what he's talking about here? You guys, you know, a couple of you hang on, you know, head out to Denny's later on. All right? You're, you're, you're going to, is it the Grand Slam? Is that right? It's been a while since I've been to Denny's, right? But you got, you got some bacon coming, right? You're going to order the bacon, and the guy you're, you're with, what you don't understand, what you don't realize is like he thinks that's sin. Now, where it's really bad is where you know that person thinks it's sin, but you still order the Grand Slam. 
Like, whatever, he'll get over it. Now you've left the weaker in, a, in an issue here. What is he going to do? Well, you know, I, I guess I'll order the Grand Slam too. But every time he takes a bite of bacon, what? He thinks he's sinning. He thinks he's rebelling against God. That's what he thinks. And so guess what? He's rebelling against God by eating the bacon. Or he's sitting there thinking, I, I don't know if this guy I went to, I'm going to breakfast with, even saved. I, I thought we were fellow brothers, but like we might have to actually have a talk about salvation here. Either way, you're causing him problems. You're causing this person problems. And, 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 and so if he thinks it's unclean, then guess what? It's unclean. And for him, it is sin. So you see how the same item of food, bacon, could be a cause of stumbling for them. Now, probably not too many bacon problems here. What about something like playing cards? Now, and I, I, what's funny about this after service, like, do people really have problems with playing cards? Yeah, they really just, actually, yes, there is. There are people who have problems with playing cards. Well, why? Well, they got saved out of gambling. Or they were taught their entire life that if you play cards, you're going to hell. That's what they were taught. So every time a pack of cards comes out, they kind of like, you know, like freak out a little bit. I mean, there's so many different issues that we could go through. What kind of music do you listen to? Can it have a certain beat? If it's a certain beat, maybe not, maybe you shouldn't be listening to it. Can you go to a movie theater? Can you not go to a movie theater? Can you have a TV? Can you not have a TV? Can you, can you smoke a cigar? Can you smoke a pipe? Can you have a glass of beer? Can you have a glass of wine? Like, there's so many things. We get it? There's so many things that one person can do it, and they do it to the glory of God. The other person does it, and it's sin for them. Why? Because their conscience tells them it's sin. So Paul's saying, don't, don't be a cause of stumbling. Don't, don't be a hindrance to that brother. Yes, you know it's clean. It's fine. That's great. But for them, it's unclean. Now, I want to just stop and say, clearly, there are things in the Bible that sin for everybody. Right? The Bible says it's sin. Guess what? It's sin for you. Well, you don't understand. No, if the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. Sexual immorality is sin. Whether you love the person or not, if you're committing sexual immorality, it is sin. You get drunk, it is sin. You lie, it is sin. You slander, it's sin. Gossip, sin. There's a big list, right? Doesn't matter what you think at the time. The Bible says it's sin, it's sin. But these issues, different. I just want to make sure we're you're kind of like, oh, yeah, this is a really open church. Like, they're just like, you know, like, hey, what's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me. I kind of like this. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says there's a whole lot of things that God declares a sin. And if you are to do them, he, he will condemn you. And you will spend all of eternity in a place called hell. But then there's these other issues in life. And what Paul's teaching us here is like, wait, wait a minute, like, 
We, we, we need to understand the truth that I can know that something says it here in Scripture and it's, it's the right thing, but this other guy who's grown up in a different background not understand these things, and for me to, to do this would actually cause him to sin. So the strong are to act, not only understanding that truth corrects, let the truth correct, don't impose what you think, let, let the Bible speak for it. Then secondly, Love cares. Love always cares what, what the other person thinks. Always is concerned about their souls. He says in verse 15, For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one of whom Christ died. Two negative things seen here. You're grieving your brother, you're destroying your brother. For the bacon, right? Let's go back to the bacon, right? This is, this, is the, this is the illustration here. Like, really? Why would you do that? Why, why would you not care what they think? The, the Bible was really clear as we've been going through Romans 12, 13, that the believer acts in love, defers in love to the conscience of the other. You just stated in the obvious. You're eating your grand slam, and, and you are no longer walking in love. Like, how is that walking in love? And in fact, you're destroying the one for whom Christ died. I mean, how's that for strong language? Jesus came to this earth, lived the perfect life, and gave his life for that person, and you can't say no to bacon. Like, how is that showing love in any way? Christ was willing to die for that person, and you can't give up this little thing in your life? This person is, is precious in the eyes of God. He is a brother or sister in Christ. Stoss says this, did Christ sacrifice himself for his well-being, and shall we assert ourselves to his harm? Did Christ die to save him? Shall we not care if we would destroy him? The idea of the destruction here is that you are going to cause spiritual harm to their life, right? Now, now we believe if someone is in Christ, God's going to get them through, right? He who began the good, good work in them will complete it but you're gonna cause them spiritual harm. You're gonna hurt them. They're gonna be wrestling. They, 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 they felt like they just sinned. Or they don't like you so much anymore. And now you're causing division within the body of Christ. Your actions are being detrimental to the body of Christ. This idea of destruction is the, the, the idea is not extinction, but ruin, loss not of being, but of well-being. So now they're wrestling in their faith because of your actions. And Paul is just saying clearly, how is that love? So if we understand the truth, if we understand that love corrects, then, then we ought to, sorry, that love cares, then we ought to do whatever it takes 
so that we wouldn't cause a brother or sister to stumble. If we remember these things, then we also see, we'll see that righteousness conquers. Righteousness conquers. He says this, you do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. You're like, it's so good, I get to eat bacon now. I mean, this is the idea here. He's like, you understand, the, you understand your freedom in Christ. That, that, that the Old Testament laws on these things are no longer there. That, 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 that we don't have those things over us now. And, and, and you, can, you can rejoice in those things. But if you cause a brother to stumble, then you're actually causing those good things to be spoken of as evil. When the strong does, as Christ encourages the believer to do, then he will enjoy his liberty, but not at the expense of a brother or sister. He will never use his freedom in Christ to be a stumbling block to a fellow believer. If they are to use the, the good that they have received from Christ to do anything other than, than, than to keep it to themselves, as we're going to see in just a moment, then, then they're causing the good to be spoken of as evil. So, there's a lot at stake in my actions on a daily basis with other believers. And I need to be sitting here right now and saying, Lord, as is it's up to me, I will never be a stumbling block to anyone. That, that person's soul that you died for is so much more important than my freedom. And there's so many different, so many different applications for this. And we're gonna, we're gonna continue on, because I, I wanna get ahead of myself, but we're gonna, okay. So, let's, so we need to be resolved to prevent the challenges. Okay, that's the first part. Secondly, we need to re, be resolved to prioritize Christ. We need to be resolved to be prioritize Christ. Verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so one of the reasons that I they should never cause my brother or sister to stumble is the cross. The second is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God doesn't operate like this. The kingdom of God began with Christ's death and resurrection, right? It is slowly coming on this earth, right? There have been people being saved. The new creation has come. We talked about this last weekend. If anyone is in Christ, the old things have passed away. The new things have come. You are new creations. God is, God is changing the old. And one day soon when he returns, that death and sin it will all be destroyed, there's a new creation coming. The culmination of the kingdom of God is coming. But you, if you're in Christ today, you are now of the kingdom of God. That's, that's your new kingdom that you live in. Yes, we're still here on this earth. Probably experienced many reminders of that this week. You're like, I can't wait till we get to see him. That's going to be an amazing day. When he, his kingdom comes in fullness. But we live in the reality that we are in the kingdom of God. We're not in the kingdom of this world anymore. And he said, guess what? It's not about what you eat and it's not about what you drink, the kingdom of God. 
Like, where is that on the priority scale? Like, way down here. This is what he's saying, right? What is the kingdom of God about? Righteousness, peace, joy. That's what the kingdom of God is about. And like, no matter what side of the argument you are on in these different issues, they should always be down here, right? Well, what we should be known about as the body of Christ is righteousness, is peace, is joy, not, well, they don't drink at that church, or they don't play cards, they don't go to movies, they don't, like, if that's all we're known for, who cares? What we should be known for is righteousness, the righteousness that's available through Jesus Christ, that, that has been declared to every one of you who is here this morning who has placed their hope and trust in him, you have been declared righteous through Christ. When he died for you on the cross, when he took your sins upon himself, paying the price for your sins, he, and then in exchange, gave you his righteousness. And so when you place your hope and trust in him, when he looks at you, he sees Christ's righteousness, and he's declared you righteous. You have been justified. But now... We live it out. We live righteous lives as a result of our being declared righteous. Anyone who is not in Christ here this morning stands right now as an enemy of God. You might not even realize it, but you shake your fist at him every day. You're walking in rebellion against his ways. You're walking in rebellion against the one who made you. But through Christ, we have now been made right with him. As we are told in, in Corinthians, we are, we are now ministers of reconciliation. We can now be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. We can now have peace with him. And as a result of that, those who are in Christ have peace with one another. This is, again, the application. You, the objective reality, you have peace with God, now live out your peace. And then there's joy. Joy that the world can never take away. Your hope is secure in Jesus Christ, right? Doesn't matter what's happening. Believer, remember this? It doesn't matter what's happening. I think they were the last, over the last couple of years, maybe your joy has been like waning, but it ought not to. It ought not to. This life is temporary. No one can take away our joy. We are secure in Christ, his love can never be taken away, and our hope is coming. And so our joy is secure in him. And how do all three of these come about? Through you trying really hard. Is that what it says? No, through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. The church is supernatural. We have righteousness, joy, and peace, not because we're good people, no, because we're bad people who've recognized we're bad people and we've called out to a Savior who's given us his Holy Spirit. And so now we live out these objective realities on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and, and we pray that the world would see righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to whether or not you should have bacon or not, or whether you should try to talk someone into watching a movie they don't want to watch, 
or drinking a drink they don't want to drink. He's like, drop it. That's not important. And you just instead exhibit righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we keep our focus on the kingdom of God. The fact that we, that we are now a part of that, it changes our actions. And things like food and drink are not that important to us. What we're really concerned about is whether our brother or sister are doing well in Christ. What we're really concerned about is our witness to a lost and dying world. Those are the things that are important. And we let our actions be dictated accordingly. And then he says this, what's the result of you having that kind of mentality? Whoever that serves Christ is acceptable to God and improved by men. You're acceptable to God. Is that a good thing? Going back to Romans 12, should that not be our goal? To do that which is good and acceptable and perfect? That's, yes, and he's saying this is how. Make it about righteousness. Make it about peace. Make it about joy in the Holy Spirit. And when you do so, you please God. And what's the bonus? You're approved by men. That weaker brother won't be thinking ill of you. He won't be speaking evil of the things you call good because you're not doing them. He'll speak well of you. And oh, by the way, I think the implication here is also that the world will speak well of you, that they'll see something different in you. I love the way MacArthur illustrated this point. He said, okay, he goes to Corinthians here to illustrate it, and he said, okay, so there's a situation. Let's, let's modernize it, okay? Okay, so there's a situation, stronger believer, weaker believer, unbeliever. Unbeliever, you're at their place, and they pull out a really expensive bottle of wine, all right? Like it's, I don't know anything about wine, so I can't tell you what, it, I don't even know what it'd be. It's really expensive, and it's really good, okay? And he's, he's ready to, to give you guys some, and, and as, as a stronger believer, you're like, it's okay, I can have it. But you know the person you're with, it's, it's not okay for them. Like, maybe, maybe they were an alcoholic. Maybe that's the, the background that they had. Maybe, maybe, maybe for, for them, they grew up and it was like, no, it's always wrong. It's, it, it's got to be in here. It's always wrong. And, and so what do you do? Who do you offend? Because now you have no choice. You're going to offend someone. Your host, the unbeliever, or your brother. Well, it might be surprising. It might not be your first inclination, but the person that you would offend is the unbeliever. And by doing so, you're showing the believer or the unbeliever what love truly is. Love would never cause a brother or sister to stumble. Because by you taking it, then what are they going to do? Are they, are they going to then sin by taking it as well? Because for them, it would be sin. So you, you, you politely say, hey, you know what? You should use that for someone else who would really appreciate it. You know, you just, you know, you'd be, you, you would do it in a gracious way. But for the sake of your brother, you would never take a drink. Because Christ is the priority, his kingdom. Not your kingdom, not your kingdom coming, right? 
And if you're trying to make the decision for the first time right then, you're like, man, that looks really good. I've heard, I've heard stories about this. Like, it's like, I don't even know what expensive bottle would be. It's like hundreds of dollars. I don't know. It's, right? It's really expensive. And I'm never going to get another opportunity to, to drink this. Like, it's amazing. Like, I really should. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. So you just say no. It's about righteousness. It's about joy. It's about peace in the Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe at that moment, you're really especially relying on the Holy Spirit because your flesh is crying out, no, 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 we really, we really should. No, in the Holy Spirit, we're going to do what's right for the glory of God. Thirdly, when Christians disagree, believers are, to, are resolved to pursue charity. We're, we're resolved to pursue the loving thing. What's really interesting, 17 and 18 really is the core argument. And then he basically repeats the same argument that he did in 13 through 16. So let's look at it together. Verse 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Instead of doing something that's going to cause my brother to be torn down, I'm going to put off that. I'm going to put on that which would encourage them. That which would lift them up in their walk. That's my goal. Every, every time I get together with a brother or sister, that should be my goal. It's like I, I want to encourage them in some way. I, I want them to, to be, be having, having a, a greater faithfulness to God. That's my goal in my gathering with them. Is that, is that what you were thinking about as you came this morning? There's that word mutual. Mutual. What does that mean? Sometimes you're going to be encouraged, and sometimes you're going to be the encourager. But we, that should be our mentality every time we come together. How can I encourage you, brother? How can I encourage you, sister? That's, that's the goal. And that which makes for peace. So if there's something that's a sensitive issue, like we have not had any of those the last couple of years, but let, let's say there was an, a sensitive issue, then guess what? We're not going to quarrel about it. We're not going to quarrel about it, and we're going to say, you know what, I respect you. The other person say, I respect you. I love you. I love you. Is this really an important thing? It's not an important thing. So let's, let's be at peace with one another. And sometimes that can be really hard because we get pretty ramped up about stuff, right? But it's the right thing to do. Pursue Charity. Remembering, same outline, truth corrects. He goes back to it in verse 20. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. And then he says what? Everything indeed is, is clean. <laughs> like how many, he said, said, this is the third time. He's like, by the way, the truth is it is clean. Christ declared it clean. But for the sake of food, don't destroy the work of God. But it is wrong, he says, for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So just don't eat. Don't do it. Don't, don't drink. Don't, don't do that which would make a person stumble. Again, the strong language here. Why would you do something that would destroy the work of God over something so insignificant? Strong believer, like you know it's okay to do, 
just said it again. You know it's okay to do, but why would you destroy the work of God? Why would you cause division within the church over this? Well, why would you cause a person to stumble in their faith over this? It's not worth it. Now, maybe just some words of instruction. Could it be that I could be causing someone to stumble and not know it? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I walked into this in Nepal. I was trying to remember if, John, you were there for that one or not. But like I'm talking about Ephesians 5, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, okay, so what does it say? Be filled with the Spirit in the same way that I'm not supposed to be drunk with wine. So what is it? It's talking about being controlled by the Spirit instead of being controlled by the wine. And I, need, and I just, off the cuff, said, so does this say that we can't drink wine? I was meeting with like pastors and, and leaders there, and the lead pastor there said, yes. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> it doesn't, so then I'm like, okay, well, it, it doesn't say it there. I just want to, because I'm teaching hermeneutics, <laughs> okay? Like, I'm trying to help them to properly interpret the word. There's many, many good reasons not to, and I understand culturally that's where you guys are at, and like, that's great. There's many, but I, and we went on for like that year and the next year, we're still talking about it. Like, I'm like, please don't, I was like, is this a language barrier kind of thing? I'm not saying, I'm telling you to drink. Please hear me. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just telling you, you can't say it from that verse. So anyway, so I stepped in it and you could step in it too, okay? And, and, and so can I encourage you to get to know one another? Like, how do I know whether I'm offending you or not? Talk to one another more than just about your job and the weather. Like, what's, what's your background? Well, growing up, it was pretty strict. Never had a TV. All my years growing up, we never had a TV. Oh, wow. Like, so how has that played out now that you're an adult? Well, we still don't have one. Okay. That's great. I can see there's a lot of great reasons for that. You were about to ask them to come over and watch Lord of the Rings. All right? No, not going not go in there now. Okay? That's great. I wouldn't do that. They don't need to watch Lord of the Rings. It's not that big. It's great, but it's not that great. Right? Like, get to know one another. Know their backgrounds. Know their understanding. Like, we're all, especially a church like ours. Right? We're coming from so many different backgrounds, you guys. And so know one another and then respond lovingly. You don't want to do anything that would cause someone to stumble. Truth corrects. And what I mean by that too is that as the believer grows in their understanding of the word, they will also grow in their understanding of what we can do and what we can't do. But you should never impose what you think upon them. That's not loving. Because why? Love cares. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Maybe just a word on the drinking wine. That for them, drinking wine would have been a bad thing. Not because, you know, like today we wouldn't drink wine. Maybe because, like, 
for fear that you would become addicted to wine, for fear that it would cause someone else to stumble, for, because you were an alcoholic. There's lots of reasons that we would maybe not do it. But in this case, it was because of rituals that were associated with, with the drinking of wine. And so, you know, that it would be unclean. And so that's why they wouldn't do it. But he, he just covers everything here. Do we catch that? He, he's not like, well, he didn't say this one. So I guess I can, I can go ahead and just exert my freedom on my brother or sister in this area. No, he says, eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes my brother to stumble. So, well, pastor, can you give some illustrations? Yes, don't do anything that would cause your brother to stumble. So just think about it. Know the person you're with. A great question would be, would this be okay? I don't know, we don't know each other that well. Like, do you guys do this? They don't do that? Okay, it's great, drop it. 1 Corinthians 8 is a great example. I'm just going to read it, 9 through 13, 1 Corinthians 8. He says, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you, you who have a knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. See, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I, eat my, lest I make my brother stumble. Look, I, I, whatever I need to do, I, I'm going to, like, if, it, if it's, it's always going to cause him to stumble from me eating meat, I'll never eat meat again. I don't care. That's, that's how much Paul loves his brothers and sisters. That's how much we ought to love one another. So do the loving thing. Now, if you come from more of a legalistic background, you might want to take, you, you, you know, you might take that last verse and say, see, never do it. Just, just never do it. That's what the Bible's teaching us. We should never, we should, we should actually get rid of all things that would cause anyone to stumble. And there's been a big movement in the last century that way, right? Just get rid of it all. Then we'd cause nobody to stumble. I like what Martin Luther had to say about that. He says, do not suppose that abuses are eliminated by destroying the object which is abused. Like, where's, this, where's the problem? It's in here. You keep getting rid of stuff, you're just going to find new ways to sin. Right? He said it like this. Men can go wrong with wine and women. Shall we then prohibit and abolish women? Right? I mean, it's pretty, pretty clear what he's saying there. Like, that's not the way to do it, right? Sin resides in the heart of man. Living in a world where there is, are no possible temptations or reasons for stumbling doesn't exist, this side of glory. But as much as possible, we should strive not to cause a brother to stumble. And then lastly, let's remember once again, righteousness conquers. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Don't, don't be putting on, on social media. Don't be foolish like that. Right? 
Look at the freedom I have, you know. I was at the, I don't know, whatever. I was at the casino drinking a bottle of whiskey with a cigar and, I don't know, whatever. It's like, that's just dumb. Just keep it between you and the Lord. That's what he's saying. Don't, 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 don't be declaring that. Now, if someone asks you, sure, you can talk to them, have a discussion. It's not, it's not saying, like, keep it secret, you know, like, it's like just don't be foolish about it. Don't be foolish about it. And so if someone asks you, you can tell them how you came to your convictions. You should be able to use this book, by the way. Your convictions should be based from here. If it's not, then maybe your convictions aren't right. And then he says this, blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. Like you, you, you're convinced, I can do this, and God is okay with it. That's good. That's a great place to be. He's saying that's, that's a really good place to be. Moose says it like this. Paul's point then is that the strong should be content with the blessing God has given them and enabling them to understand the liberty that their faith provides them without feeling it necessary to flaunt that liberty before their weaker fellow believers. And so live with wisdom. And then he says in verse 23, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Okay, there's those two people. The, the, the stronger believer, he, ha- he knows what he can and cannot do, and he's, he's fully convinced from the Lord. But the weaker believer, he still doesn't understand his freedom. So again, just using the illustrations used here, bacon. If that man eats bacon, he believes it's sin, and so it is sin, because he's not doing it from faith. He can't say, I'm bringing glory to God through my actions. No, he believes he's actually walking in rebellion against God. And so it should be with any actions that you and I do. If you cannot say, I'm bringing glory to God through my action, if you have any doubt in your mind as to whether it's right or not, don't do it. It's a good guideline for all of us. Moose says this about this, but he here labels sin rather is in any act that does not match our sincerely held convictions about our Christian faith. So that's the sin. Something that you do not have faith in. The person is walking in rebellion against God in their hearts even though the action itself is not sinful. But for them it is because of where their hearts are at. Stott says this, alongside this explicit instruction not to violate our conscience, there is an implicit requirement to educate it. Like, your life goal shouldn't be to be a weaker believer for your entire existence. You should let the word of God have its way in your life. Let let him dictate your conscience and as that changes, you still may not do that thing. Well, let's just say something like alcohol. You come to understand, okay, I think it's okay. It doesn't, it says drunkenness for sure is a, is a problem. And, and you're like, I always thought it was wrong. I always thought it was wrong to, for somebody to have a glass of wine. I always thought that was wrong. But now as I study the scriptures, I don't really see the verses for that. But guess what? You're like, but you know what? For me, in my family background with the genes I got, I'm just not gonna bother having it. But 
if my friend Fred has a glass, I'm okay with that because he's doing it to the glory of God. You no longer think Fred's going to hell because he's doing it. That's the change of mind. So your actions may not change, but your convictions will change as you let the word of God inform your conscience. Now for me, I've been in Christ, what, 40 years now? I've changed a lot over the years as to what I think is good and what I think is bad. And as your pastor, I do the best I can not to cause anyone to stumble. I don't know that I've always done it well. But that's the goal. That's my heart. I wouldn't want anyone to stumble over something so little as my actions on these minor issues. And so that should be the goal for all of us here this morning. Lord, what's the loving thing? That's what I want to do. I I don't want to cause division. I don't want to cause my brother or sister to stumble. Lord, help me to follow you because you died for that person and I'm living for a new kingdom now, that which is full of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. Lord God, we're so thankful for this time together this morning. God, I I pray that you would help us to walk in love towards one another. God, we thank you for your word that leads us, guides us. We thank you for the fact that Christ was the ultimate model of this. Lord, when we consider what he gave up, it's nothing compared to anything that we would give up. Lord, there's... (laughs) Our, our, our things are so insignificant compared to Christ leaving his throne in heaven. And so God, help us to follow his example. God, this morning, if we have issues in our life where we, we're just struggling uh, and loving a brother or sister, God, I pray that you would, you would help us to humble ourselves, to get together with them, and to confess sin where sin needs to be confessed and to give, grant forgiveness where forgiveness needs to be granted. God, your desire is that we would be unified. Lord, I think of this morning, if anyone here doesn't know you yet, God, I, I would just pray for them, Lord, that, that they would see your love amongst us and that, Lord, they would see that you loved them so much that you left your throne in heaven, lived a life, a perfect life on this earth, died on a cross for their sins, so that they might be reconciled to you, so that they too could have righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.